the parish is called Mitzavim. Right, this year it's a special blessing. Mitzavim is a very short parasha, and Vayelech is a very short parasha. So we read them on different Shabbatot, so you get home earlier. Now, in this week's parasha, in the parasha of Nitzavim, is Parashat Chuva. Parsha Nitzavim includes the parsha of Tshuva, which sounds like it's about the mitzvah of Tshuva, but it isn't. It's about the fact that at the end of days, there'll be a national Tshuva, that we will all return to wherever we're supposed to be, which is in Eretz Yisrael, so that the parsha of Tshuva in Nitzavim is really about Gula. Gula with the, the physical redemption for Klau Yisrael. After the parasha, I mean, it's a wonderful parasha, we've talked about it at various times, but after that parasha, you have the following psukim. Kia mitzvah hazot. The word mitzvah is singular, right? The word mitzvah is singular, a mitzvah, and hazot is what's called a dectic particle. Right? It points at something. The mitzvah that we are talking about, the mitzvah hazot. I told you it comes after the mitzvah of geula, right? Tshuva, parashat tshuva. Mitzvah hazot, Moshe Rabbeinu speaking in the name of HaKadosh Baruch says this mitzvah, which I command you about today, right, today is the last day of Moshe Rabbeinu's life, right, that's today. Lo nifleti mincha, it's not beyond you. Uh, niflate, maybe the word pele, wonder. It's not something that you wonder about. It, in other words, there's some sort of havam in it people have when they heard about what their obligation is that they said how are we going to be able to do it how are we going to be able to do it so Moshe Rabbeinu comes to reassure them and says right which is a colloquial in modern Hebrew means it's not beyond you you can do it it's not in heaven it, like what was the Havamina? Like the Havamina is the Torah comes from heaven. So maybe in heaven you could imagine such a thing, whatever the thing is we're talking about. But about Loba Shamaimi, you don't have to go up to heaven. You don't have to be in heaven. You can do it. You can do it. To say, so you'd say, who's going to go up to heaven? and bring it down to us. Well, I mean, it's hard to know exactly what it's talking about because as far as we understand, Moshe Rabbeinu went up to heaven, so to speak, came down and taught the Torah to B'nai Yisrael during the 38 years that they spent in the, in the desert, the unnecessary 38 years, right? From the Chet HaMeraglim until the final entry into Eretz Kina'an. Right, Mi Yalela Shamaima Vikahel Lano, Vishma Enu, 
Why? So, so like, imagine the conversation. They come to Moshe Rabbeinu and say, we don't have it. It's in heaven. It's beyond the seas. Means it's out of our reach. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, it's not out of your reach. You can do it. So what is the issue? What is the discussion about that Moshe Rabbeinu is pacifying, mollifying, uh, uh, making it uh, more plausible for them? What is it? Who's going to go across the sea and get it for us and bring it to us? Because Moshe Rabbeinu says it's really close at hand. Your mouth. So now, there's first a, a, a machloket about what these psukim are referring to. I told you that in the beginning, the first words are ki ha-mitzvah hazot, referring to, sounds like, it's referring to a mitzvah, and a mitzvah that you could point to, which has recently been discussed. Now, this matter is brought up in the Ramban. Like, what are we talking about? What are we talking about at this point? So Rashi is so the Ramban. If you look at the Ramban, you see this Rashi in the Ramban? The Ramban says, What is this about? It was there some people who say that a mitzvah hazot is a shorthand form of all the mitzvot. Not a particular mitzvah, but all the mitzvah. But I say, the Ramban says, Hanachon, al kol kol Right? In other words, when the word mitzvah refers to all of the Torah, so there's this preposition that the Torah uses, kol ha-mitzvah all of the mitzvah. So even though mitzvah is still singular, and the word kol is collective, somehow it works out according to the Ramban that kol ha-mitzvah refers to all of the Torah. All of the Torah. Aval ha-mitzvah hazot, but in our pasuk it says ha-mitzvah hazot. It doesn't say kol ha-mitzvah hazot, right? It says ha-mitzvah hazot. So he says, "Amitzvah hazot al hatshuva haniskeret." There you have it—a machloket in reading a pasuk. 
there are those who say that this pasuk is about the mitzvah, or, I'm sorry, all the mitzvot of the Torah, probably because it's kind of a little strange that the Torah should say what it says about the mitzvah of tshuva alone. Because why would the people come and say, no, it's beyond us, we can't handle it. Oh, you could say something. You could say some sort of a svarah, but the Ramban says, the Ramban says, no, it's about tshuva. And he has a, uh, like a, a linguistic proof because he says that when the word mitzvah refers to the entirety of the Torah, right, in such a case, it says, kol uh, ha-mitzvah Hashem, and not ki ha-mitzvah So there are those who say that this pasuk refers to the entirety of the Torah, and that makes sense from the continuation. Lo he, People come and they say, how can we do it? We've got all these mitzvahs to do it, all these details to take care of it, all this, this, you know, you get just a headache thinking about it, about all the obligations that we have, have accomplished. So Moshe Rabbeinu reassures them. He says, not so terrible, you'll get used to it, it'll be fine, you know, you'll keep Shabbos, you'll keep Yotif, and you'll blow shofar and Rosh Hashanah, lonora, as complicated as it is, we'll work it out. That's what, that's what the conversation, that's what the conversation is about. The Ramban doesn't like, he, he, not that he doesn't like that, but he has this language problem, right? Kol ha-mitzvah and ki ha-mitzvah. So Ramban said, you must be talking about the mitzvah of tshuva, which is previously mentioned in the, in the Torah. Right, even though I told you that the mitzvah of tshuva that is mentioned in the Torah is really the mitzvah of geula, of redemption, but the Ramban doesn't mention it. just seems to me to be correct. If you look at the Rambam and Rav Kook, in this case Rav Kook and the Rambam are pretty much uh, tied in together, you'll see that, that this, these psukim about tshuva are about the ultimate redemption. You remember there is that posuk, there's a posuk, it says, Umol Hashem Elokecha et that God will circumcise your heart. Meaning, I think, I mean again, you know, you know that explaining things in the Torah is uh, tricky. Mm. So what it, what it might mean is that God will change your physical, emotional being, that you'll be changed from the people who do, who transgress easily to the people who really can't transgress because it's so obvious to them that they should do what the Torah says. I mean, after all, after all, the psychology of transgression for from people like from people do various sometimes, you may have noticed if you read the newspapers, which is not something I suggest because it's a little distressing. But, uh, but from people, like people who practice orthoprax, people sometimes do the wrong thing. So they probably justify it to themselves. They probably say, it's not so bad or I have a deal with God, or 
nobody's watching, or whatever they say. I mean, I'd say something. You know, most people are not going to just do an Avera for the sake of doing an Avera. They, they think they're justified. So in any event, in any event, that's the, that's the argument. Now, there's one other thing that the Ramban says that I think we should note, and that is, Vizetam, you see three lines on the bottom of the Ramban, Beficha Ubilvavchala Soto, the end of the Pasuk. What it says at the end of the Pasuk, Beficha, your mouth and your heart. So the Ramban says, Sheyitvadu et Avonam, Bet Avon Avotam Befihem, Biashuvu Belibam El Hashem. Listen to the exact words. You should confess, you should confess your sin and the sins of your fathers with your mouth. Right, that's what we call, that's what we call that vidui. Right, the difference between tshuva and vidui is that vidui is something that you say. You have to say it. And tshuva, I mean, you could, could be internal. Like you don't have to say anything when you do tshuva. So the Ram, Ramban says, you have to, he says several things. He says first, you have to confess and then you have to do tshuva. Uh, you have to confess. Uh, a little strange. What do you mean confess and then do tshuva? If you didn't do tshuva, why are you going to confess? Well, what are you going to confess to? But that's what we do. <coughs> we do on Yom Kippur. You may have noticed that we confess many times on Yom Kippurim. And we confess to every single sin in the book. Right? Which is a, kind of strange. Like why would we want to confess to every sin? It must be something we didn't do. You know, nobody is that talented that he can do every Aveira that exists. So the answer may be that the words, words sometimes um, make it possible for me to remember things that I have forgotten or pushed away or tried to deny so when I say the words of vidu, all these vidu yim, I may be able to relate to something that I did do, but that I managed to push aside. Right? You know that the, that the Torah has mentioned many times that forgetfulness is a serious issue. Right? You forget things. And you forget the Torah that you learned, for example. That's prohibited. The Torah says you're not allowed to forget what you learned. Therefore, you have to review and review and review all the time to make sure that you don't forget. So forgetting is something that also connects me to sin. I, I forget. I forget who I am. I forget what I did. I forget because, firstly, I forget. And secondly, <laughs> secondly besides forgetting, I, I push it away. I don't want to remember what I did that is wrong. So we say al chait an Yom Kippurim in order to bring up things that we might have forgotten. And we say it, we say the al twice, right? We say the Ashamno, Bagadno, Gazalno, that's called Vidui Katsar, right? Alephet, Gimel Dalet, you know, Ashamno, Bagadno. And, and it, it's, so, it's so irrelevant that we sing it. We're so happy, so happy to confess. But then we say al Right, that whole list of al that's called the Vidui Ha'aroch. And there we actually explicitly mention every transgression that we might have transgressed. And, uh, and that's good. It's healthy. 
it, it's helpful, but only helpful if you think about it, which I think most people do not. So that's the first thing that the Ramban says, right? That you do say Bidui, and then you do Tshuva. And then he says that you Yitvadu et avonam et avon avotam So this is like a recognition of the fact. You say, you say I do Bidui, I confess my sins and my father's sins, or my father's father's, right? As far back as I could remember because I recognize the fact that I am a product of my history, right? I can't escape that. There's something about me which was formed without asking my opinion. You know, it just, I became that way. So that's what, that's what the Ramban says. V'yashuvu belibam el Hashem v'yikablu alehem hayom ha-Torah l'asotah le-Dorah do you accept at the same time the Torah to Keep it for generations. So that's a promise. If you accept the Torah and you do tshuva, then the promise is that you will be in a different situation. You won't, you won't do the, the sins anymore. This idea that the end of days, whatever that, that is, I'm not... I mean, I don't want you to think that I know what these things are that I mentioned. <coughs> that would be better on my part. But the end of days is seen as a time of illumination. And what does illumination mean? Like, what does it mean besides fluorescent lighting? Illumination is clarity. You understand something. Well, what is it you understand? You understand what a, what, a, what a transgression is. You understand what the will of God is. You understand why the Torah is important. You understand. Because everybody in a community has today like a different level of understanding. Not everybody's the same, but somehow in the future, the Torah promises that if we do our part, we give it a try, we will be able to understand. So that's what that's what the Rabban, that's what the Rabban says. So now if you go, take that, uh, uh, let's look at the Rashi. Let's look at the Rashi. Rashi says again, Pasuk Yudalit. Forget about the previous Rashis. Karov elecha davar ma'od. Karov elecha davar ma'od. So what do you mean? I said, I don't know, I don't get it. I don't get the Torah. I have to go up to heaven to find somebody who can teach it to me. I have to go across the sea to find somebody who can learn the Torah with me. That was the argument to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, it's close to you. You can get it. You can get it. So, so what way? What was the discussion? What way is it close to you? What way is it not close to you? So Rashi says, you see the bottom? Rashi, Pasuk Yudalit. Yes? No? Yes. Well, the Rashi at the top, the first Rashi on the sheet. Kikarovi lecha, hatoran itna lechem bichtav ubaalpeh. The Torah was given to you written down. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the Torah down 38 years. Right? There's a machogel in the Gemara whether the Torah was written piece by piece, as Moshe Rabbeinu uh, uh, taught it, or whether the Torah was written all at once at the end of 38 years. But
But even if it was written, in either case, it doesn't matter, the end result is the same. You have the Torah that is written. You have the written Torah. So, so karov elecha ma'od. What is karov elecha ma'od? You can understand it. So, what does Rashi say? What does Rashi say? Atarani delechem bechtav ubealpe. Moshe Rabbeinu said, "After all, after all, when I taught you the words of the written Torah, <coughs> I also taught you the Torah shabalpe." Now, I've told you several times, and I think it's true. I, you know, even though I've told it several times. I think it's true in any event. Every written word in the world, but certainly in the Torah, has a Torah Shabal Peh, which is not exactly the same as what we call Torah Shabal Peh today. In other words, in other words, if the Torah says, if the written Torah says, Shamor et Yom HaShabbat remember that one? Aserta Debrot. Aserta Debrot. Shabbos, right? So it can't be somebody there. Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching Shabbat. Somebody's got to say, how do we do that? I mean, in other words, the, 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 the Pasuk itself, without interpretation, makes no sense. So that the discussion, according to Rashi, according to Rashi, between B'nai Yisrael and, and, and Moshe Rabbeinu, is B'nai Yisrael saying, okay, we've got the Torah, here it is, it's all written out, but who understands it? What, is, what did Moshe Rabbeinu say to them? No, no, I've taught you the Torah, Shabal Peh of the Psukim in the Torah. You do understand it, you should understand it, you will understand it. What we call Torah Shabal Peh, what we call Torah Shabal Peh, is including further information. But information that doesn't derive directly from the psukim, but derives from the ideas, right? Whether it's about yantiv or Shabbos or, or torts or, or, or anything of that sort, there's a Torah Shabbat, which is found in the Mishnah. Which is found in the Mishnah, it contains things that are not necessarily connected to the pasuk. But when the pasuk says, when the pasuk says, listen, you should put on tefillin, you know, there was somebody who said to Moshe Rabbeinu, what's tefillin? What's totafot? They must have, but it, it couldn't be otherwise. So when Rashi says, when Rashi says, Torah I think that what that means is that the psukim of the Torah, the words of the Torah are given to you, and also the basic understanding of those words. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to them, you do have the wherewithal, according to Rashi. You have the wherewithal. You can understand. You can learn it. You're not going to be left in the lurch when Moshe Rabbeinu disappears. And you understand that that was one of the major, that was one of the major crunches that Bnei Yisrael were going through. Because as long as Moshe Rabbeinu was alive, they could always get the perfect answer to any question that they asked. But when Moshe Rabbeinu dies, who's going to be that? Who's going to answer the questions? Who's going to tell them what the Torah means for them to do? So that was the discussion, right? The Gemara and Erechim discusses that. Okay? So now, having said that, I want to uh, uh, look at another Pasuk. We'll come back to this Rashi. HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, new topic, not new, but 
a new paragraph. New paragraph. That's the only thing I remember from French. Nouveau paragraph. We used to do dictate in French, and that's the only thing I knew. Come up on the mountain, be there. Now, listen. This is a mystery, right, for, for generations. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I give you Luchota Evan. Luchota, Luchota Evan, the, what we call Luchota Brit, Aserta Dibrot, whether they were rectangular or they had a round top. But Moshe Rabbeinu had them, right? He had these Luchota Evan. And also, Hatoraba Mitzvah, Asher Katavti Lorotam, and also the Torah and the Mitzvah. So I know what Luchota Evan are, I think. Luchota Evan are the Aserita Dibrot that were chiseled into the rocks by HaKadosh Baruch Hu when Moshe Rabbeinu was at Har Sinai. Those are the stones that Moshe Rabbeinu came down the mountain to find B'nai Yisrael dancing around with the Egel Azahav, with the golden calf, right? So what is it that the words Torah, HaMitzvah, Asher Katavti, again, Asher Katavti goes back to, certainly, Luchot Evan. Luchot Evan were written by Kaddish Baruch the first time. The first time Moshe Rabbeinu went up mountain and got the Luchot Evan, they were written by HaKadosh Baruch the, the words, etc. But what about the Torah and the Mitzvah? What's the Torah and the Mitzvah? So look at Rashi. You see Rashi? Matan Torah in English is the theophany. A revelation. I'm sorry, revelation, that's a better word, right? Revelation. But Moshe Rabbein goes over to Har Sinai. All the people are standing there. And suddenly, everybody becomes aware of the fact that a Kodesh might give a Torah to the world, to B'nai Yisrael. That's what happened at Har Sinai. The thing that happened before Moshe Rabbein. Then Moshe Rabbein comes down. And Moshe Rabbein goes up again for the 40 days and 40 nights and then he comes down again but the, the, uh, when Rashi says matan Torah, he means that Vav, what we celebrate on Vav Sivan right even though the Gemara there's a machloket by whether it's Vav Sivan or Zion Sivan but it doesn't matter we celebrate that day what do we celebrate so it all became mushed up together we can't celebrate a revelation but we can celebrate the Torah. And that's what we celebrate on Shavuot. Even though there's no mention of this celebration in the Torah, but we, we made it. We made it that celebration. Lachar matan Torah. Alei elai ahara v'yesham avaim yom. Ed luchot ha'em v'atorah v'amitzvah sh'ketati l'oratam. Listen to Rashi. Here's Rashi. Kol sheish me'ot shlosh esrei mitzvot mechlal aseret hadibrot hein. So Rashi says, what's a Torah of mitzvah? 613 mitzvot. 
So you say to Rashi, well, where, where are these 613 mitzvot? What do you mean 613 mitzvot? It says, uh, it says not that Moshe Rabbeinu learned the 613 mitzvot, but they someplace they were written down somehow. That's what it says in the Pasuk. Where are they written down? So he says, Rabbeinu Sa'adya, you know, the people had a very high regard for Rabbi Sa'adya Gaon, right, who was a Rosh Yeshiva in, uh, in Bavel, and he pirish baz harochi asad, l'chol dibur b'dibur mitzvot atluyot bo. So what did Rabbi Sa'adya Gaon do? He took the ten uh, uh, mitzvot in the Aseret that he wrote, and he showed that each mitzvah is like a heading, each one of the, the dibrot is a heading for many other mitzvot. And he wrote a little book where, where he showed that all the 613 mitzvot can be divided into 10 categories. So when the Pasuk says that they've all written, it doesn't mean that they were written. It means they could have been written or there's some kind of a shorthand code for which uh, it was written. So the Pasuk, the pasuk that says, "Et nalechad luchota even five, va'torah va'mitzvah shekatavti." What do you mean, Asher katavti? Where is the Torah and the mitzvah Asher katavti? Where is it? It's in what is written in the Aseret Adibrot. Well, we all agree it's written in Aseret Adibrot, but the six hundred thirteen mitzvot are implied therein. They're implied therein. Okay. Uh, so you, you know that in in modernity, I mean, in our time, there is um, not so much in our. I mean, things. Well, they should figure out how to how to put this in a non-objectionable way. You know, there there is this field of study in the uh, called biblical criticism, and biblical criticism is about how would I describe it if I had to? It's about applying general rules applied to literature to the Torah, for example. Not just the Torah, the entire Tanakh, but let's say the Torah. And, and there are kinds of uh, strange or different conclusions that the uh, critics might come to about the Torah than the, the position that we have generally, you know, religious Jews. For example, religious Jews have always said that Torah min that the Torah comes from heaven as it is described in this Pasuk. And now, even though it's very hard for me to understand exactly what happened, nevertheless, we more, we're, we're all pretty much influenced by the Rambam, who, in his eighth principle, the eighth of the 13 principles that he enunciated, which are stated briefly in almost every sitter that was ever published, you know, after chakras. So the, the, the Rambam says that it's incumbent upon us to believe that the, um, the Torah that we have 
It's exactly the same Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu gave to Bnei Yisrael. That there was no, that there are no changes. It's the same, same Torah. Uh, this is uh, a little difficult, a little difficult to absorb because in the sources that we have, right, the sources that we have, it in the parasha of Nitzavim, in the parasha of Nitzavim. Happily, I brought a chumash along. In the parish of Nitzavim, <coughs> here, there's a posuk, Anistarot Lashem Elokeinu. We don't have to worry about the secret events that people undertake. And a Kaddish Bochum will take care of. But Niglot, the things that are obvious, Alanu Ulevaneinu. Adolam So if you had a Chumash, and if you were looking at it, you would see an interesting thing, that the words lanu ulvaneinu, lanu ulvaneinu, have dots on them. Dots. Each letter has a dot. Now, what are these dots? If you go to the uh, pot top, near the Israel Museum, which has the Dead Sea Scrolls in it. Right, do you remember? Pot, top. You'll see that one of the Isaiah Scrolls in that museum is, has a different kind of, sometimes a different kind of, of spelling of words. But also beyond that, it also has dots all over the place. Dots were the way they erased. It was if you write on parchment and you make a mistake, so it's a problem because in order to erase, if you tell me here a sofa, you have to take a, a knife and you scratch at it until the word, but when you scratch at it, you scratch at the parchment also. And you could end up making a hole in the parchment that you don't want to do that. You don't want to make a hole. Because then somebody can affix a patch on the back and write something else. You, you want to prevent a further corruption. So the way you do that is you leave the wrong word. You put dots on it, which means that you erased it. And then you continue after that word. That's what they, that's what they used to do. So if that's the case, it's kind of odd that you have these dots here in the, in the Chumash. You have dots. I mean, what could that possibly mean? So in the Avot the Rabbi Natan, in the Avot the Rabbi Natan, there's a conversation between Ezra Sofer and HaKadosh Baruch about these dots. Ezra said, Ezra says to HaKadosh Baruch I tried my best. I tried to fix it. You know, when Ezra came back from Bavel, Persia, right, Babylonia, Persia, he came back with a very large group of Jews to Eretz Israel. So each of them had a Sefer Torah. Each group came with a Sefer Torah. And the Sifrei Torah that they came with were not, even though they were only away, 
they're away like between 70 and 100 years. But they had to copy and write new Sifrei Torah. And they weren't all professionals. I can tell you that even today, even today when, the sof, when a sofa writes a Sefer Torah, and he does it very carefully, and he does it from a tikkun, he uses, he uses a printed text to copy from. And even if he gives it to the computer, you know, there's a computer that checks malay v'chaser, an extra vav, an extra yud. You give it to the computer. The computer always catches something, always catches something in the Torah that this sofa wrote very carefully. And then you put it in a shul and the Baalei Kriya start reading from it. And 10 years later, 10 years later, they discover a mistake. The Baalei Kriya, the Baalei Kriya also have a problem. When you're about Torah, and you're about, there's some kind of rule about this, but when you know what you're reading, you don't read the letters. You just read the words. You, you, it's easy. It just goes, I mean, the Baalei Kriya often know what they're reading Baal Peh. They know it by heart. So they, they read the right thing even though the wrong thing is written. It's today. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine what they did 2,000 years ago. It was hard to imagine how they, they got it to be, but I want to talk about that. That's, that's really like a miracle. It's a miracle that the Sifrei Torah today have hardly any variations. But Ezra said to HaKadosh Baruch according to the Avot the Rabbi Natan, Ezra said to HaKadosh Baruch look, I don't know. But if those words belong in the Torah, I've written them. And if they don't belong in the Torah, I put dots on them. That's what Ezra said. Because Ezra said, I, I just don't know. I don't know. Ezra. Now we can look at these words and give two parshanut. We can say, what does the Pasuk mean with the words or what does the Pasuk mean without the words? We can say that. We can, we, we can say that. But Ezra didn't say that. Ezra said, according to this statement, the other he said, I don't know. I don't know what the right words. So it's hard to, to understand it's hard to understand the Rambam's position that the Torah that we have is exactly the same as the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moshe Rabbeinu. This is all in this week's parasha. So I want to just go back. I want to go back to that Rashi. You see the Rashi in Pasuk Yudalit, Perik Lamed Pasuk Yudalit, Kikarov Eilecha, HaTorah Nitnalechem Ketav Ubalte. We all think, we tend to think, that the Torah Shebechtav is fixed and the Torah Shebaalpeh is movable. You know, it's like... But let's try to think about it differently. Let's think about it this way. That the Torah Shebechtav, if there was only a Torah Shebechtav, only, if there was only Torah Shebechtav, we would never be able to keep it as it should be. We would make one mistake after another and we would change everything about it and we would end up with dots all over. Every place we'd look, we'd have dots. What does the Torah Ba'al Peh do? The Torah Ba'al Peh stabilizes our interpretation of the Torah Ba'al So it doesn't make any difference, or it makes less difference. I don't want to be too radical here. It doesn't make a lot of difference, even if you could prove that there's a shift in the Torah Ba'al as long as the understanding of the Torah Shebikhtav remains fixed. And that's called Torah Sheba'al Peh. 
So the people came to Moshe Rabbeinu. The people came to Moshe Rabbeinu. They said, how are we going to learn? How are we going to keep it up? How are we going to keep learning? Because people make mistakes when they copy. And then we won't know which is the right girsa, which is the wrong girsa. We won't know anymore. And since we won't know anymore, we won't be able to learn Torah. And what did Moshe Rabbeinu say to them? What did Moshe Rabbeinu say to them? Don't worry. The Torah Shavalpeh is fixed because the Torah Shavalpeh is passed down through the superior students of Torah. I passed down Moshe to Yoshua, and Yoshua to the Skenim, the Skenim to the Vim. That's how it was passed down. It wasn't so frim. So frim are people who work for a living. Oy, what a terrible idea. And, and, and they, they do think, they, and of course what they do is going to be corrupted. It's too difficult, the Torah is too big, it's too, too, much, too much at stake. But the Torah Shabbat is passed down, the Torah Shabbat is passed down from the, the great minds who, who are understanding of what Moshe Rabbeinu taught. And they determine what the Torah Shabbat is saying. So if we paskin that ayin tachad ayin, you know ayin tachad ayin, the Torah says several places that you knock out the, the eye of a slave or you knock out somebody, you have to do the same thing. So the, the interpretation that we accept is is mamon, is money. So that means, that means that the, the Torah Shebikhtav only exists in the world of understanding through the Torah Shebalpeh. It doesn't exist at all otherwise. And that's why, that's why uh, uh, the Torah Shebikhtav was put into the Iron Kodesh. Yes? And the Iron Kodesh was never opened. It just stayed there. It is an idea, the Torah Shebikhtav. But the real of it is the Torah Shebalpeh. So you could interpret the Ramam that way. That the real of the Torah Shebikhtav is Torah Shebalpeh. It's what the tradition of interpretation has to say. The tradition of interpretation corrects itself all the time. That's called a discussion. That's called, that, that's the corrective factor of the Torah Shemichdav. I want to look quickly at a little bit of the Nitziv. You see the Nitziv? Nitziv refers to the same, at the bottom of the page. Let's skip the corner. Hamek Davar, the Nitziv says, Oh no, skip two lines. Achain, the third line, after the dot. Achain al kein en kimoshi hiktuba lefanenu. Eino kimoshi hiktuba lefanenu. Share lo nishlema adayin, ela kimoshi haita ktuba lefnei Hashem, kula shmotav shel akadish borchu. Shebaem bara shamayim la'aretz. The Ramban says it, and the Nitziv says it, that the Torah, there's, there's a Torah behind the Torah. There's an immutable Torah, Shebichtav, an immutable Torah, Shebichtav, a Torah that never changes, and that Torah that never changes is the Torah shel shmotav 
Shela Kodesh Baruch And the Ramban says, if you like, if you take the letters in the Torah, Breshit Baralokim et Shemayim et Aretz, and you move them around, you get Shvotav Shela Kodesh Baruch Like you, you divide, you put in the the word dividers in a different place. You'll get a different text, and that text is the secret text that Hakadosh Baruch Hu used to create the world. So that when we say when we say that the Torah is immutable, we mean the ultimate Torah, according to the, the uh, according to the Nitzim. Amru in that's a Gemara. Umevi al kol What's the chesed of God sitting and learning Torah? It doesn't matter. You like the idea, you don't like the idea, but what is it that the Nitzvah is saying? The Nitzvah says there is a perfect Torah. There is a perfect Torah in heaven. The Torah Shemichtav is a perfect Torah in heaven. It's the Torah that God learns every day, according to the Gemara in Avodah Now, why is it that God learns the Torah every day? Because every day, according to the, according to the Nitzvah, except this idea that every day is a new day of creation. In other words, the reason that we exist today is because God willed it. God willed that we should exist today. It's not like, like the world is a wind-up clock. You know, you just wind it up and it goes by itself. It's that God created the world and continues to create the world. And that world is created through the Torah. But I think what the, what the Nitzim is getting to is explaining to us that we don't have to be nervous about the fact that it seems sometimes that the Torah that we have is prey, falls prey to some kind of reinterpretation or, or, or strange ideas, or different ideas, strange, different ideas, because in fact, in fact, there is the perfect Torah. There is a perfect Torah. That's what God is doing. And that's why the Chachamim said that God must be learning the perfect Torah, the Torah that is not corrupted, right? So that there is this idea that there are two Torahs. There's the Torah which is perfect that God is learning, and the Torah that is perfected by us through the Torah Shabbat Ben. And so when the Jews came to Moshe Rabbeinu, when the Jews came to Moshe Rabbeinu, they said, we can't get, we can't get to the perfect Torah. That we can't get to heaven, and we can't get across the sea. We know that there's a perfect Torah, and we know we can't match it. We can't match that perfect Torah. We're going to mess up. We're going to mess up somehow. A few words here, a few words there. We're just not going to be able to do it. So Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, No, he said, Don't worry. And so, I'm sorry. But Israel said, We want to be that Torah, the Torah that God is learning, the Torah that is perfect, the Torah that you, Moshe Rabbeinu, know about. Right? That's what we want to learn. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, No, no. It's not true what you say. There's a perfect Torah in the world also. Not just in the world of God. But there's a perfect Torah in the world as well. And that's the written Torah which I've given you plus 
the Torah Shabbal Peh, as Rashi pointed out, because the Torah Shabbal Peh is what gives the Torah integrity, right? It tells you what the Torah really, really means. And that's immutable. Anybody who's ever learned Gemara or Chazal knows that you could sit around and try to figure out how they, how they get that, you know, how they get this drudge from that puzzle. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter really how they got it. What matters is, what matters is that this is the proper, uh, 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 the proper statement about the content of that halacha or that pasuk, etc. So the um, the the Nitziv adds on, adds on this idea, adds on that there is this perfect Torah in heaven, which Hakadosh Baruch Hu is learning. And that's what B'nai Yisrael said. They said, we can't get to that. We can't get to the perfect Torah which is in heaven. We can't get to the perfect Torah which is across the, across the sea. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, no. You have your version of the perfect Torah. And Rashi says that your version of the perfect Torah includes, includes Torah Shabal Peh. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu brought down with him from Har Sinai in one way or the other, right? Either he brought all the mitzvot or all the Torah or the, the first time, the first time that he came, that he came down from Har Sinai. The Nitziv says in a later, in a later exposition, the Nitziv says that uh, the first time Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, it was all Torah Shebichtav. But the Rav Sadiqon explains it had to be somehow understood, something from something. But the second time that Moshe Rabbeinu came down for Hasinah, he it was understood that they needed the Torah Shval Peh as well. This is a different, a different section of the of the Nitzi. Uh,